Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, February the 14th, 2023. It is currently 10.16 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I know it's February the 14th. I know it's Valentine's night. I know that. And I know that that means there's probably not going to be a lot of people listening to me right now, right? I mean, I, yeah, I'm, hey, this, I've got a great idea. Go live uh, at 10, 16 p.m. Central Time on Valentine's night. I mean, that's genius. That's how you build an audience and podcasting. Go live on the night of romance. That's when you go live and talk about theology. I, I know, probably not smart, but there's probably someone out there that no one bought you flowers and no one wrote your name in the sand. And no one held your hand and wanted to talk for hours and and nobody wanted to dance with you. So you're just doing whatever you're doing this evening. So for for you... Here's a special live broadcast, and it will not cost you anything. No reservations are necessary. You don't have to get dressed up. You can, you can just stay right there, and let's talk a little bit of theology. Because while a lot of people are focused on Valentine's Day, a lot of people are focused on romance, there are some who are very, 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 very much focused on something going on in Kentucky, Right? Specifically, at a university, Osbury University, Osbury University, because there's supposedly a revival has broken out at Osbury University, and a lot of people are talking about it, thinking about it. So I thought tonight we would try to go back to how this all began, and we would listen to it, and we would discuss it, and we would see what we can discover. I thought that would be fun and interesting to do tonight in case, well, nothing else is going on for you. And I hope it will be beneficial. And for the, for the, for the rest of the world, when they wake up tomorrow, then they can, they can catch up to the rest of us. Does that, does that, I think that sounds like a great idea. Does that sound like a great idea? Let's start with a news article here. All right. News article published today, February the 14th, 2023. See, while a lot of people are focused on Valentine's day, They're focused on this. Here's the headline. You ready? Osbury University Revival. Will we miss the next revival? Now, that that is a question I'm not going to pursue in this broadcast, but I just wanted to show you like one of the newest articles about this. In In the Osbury University newspaper, we read these words. Very few seats remain empty, but people crowd the walls, the floor, and the balcony It's been almost 60 hours since a pure Holy Spirit revival broke out. Others declare they have never seen the student chapel with so many people. It started as a normal chapel service where there was a confession of sin by a student and 30 people stayed behind to seek God. As we browse social media and look up hashtags such as Asbury Revival, one cannot miss all the criticisms, judgments, and doubts about what is happening. The critical voices seem to be very loud, shouting over some of the rejoicing by others. 
The services have been not four or five hours, but virtually nonstop for the last 100 plus hours. Some are decrying this as emotionalism. This sort of thing is not just breaking the mold, but making a lot of people feel uncomfortable or convicted. Now, there is a lot of questions. Now, my initial report on the Osbury University revival, yes, I express my own skepticism. I I express my own cynicism because I, and I express my concern over emotionalism. I did. And I, and, and I, and that, I think it's okay to ask those questions because how many times have we seen these supposed great revivals and they come, they implode in on themselves or they're mixed with heresy, false teaching after false teaching. And let me, and I will stand by this. Look, I don't care how wonderful everyone thinks it is. I don't care what people are claiming or their testimonies. If false doctrine and messed up doctrine is involved, then by all means, the criticisms are not only necessary, they should be expected. All right? So, so and, I, and that is, that's something separate from emotionalism. Like, to me, there's another issue that's not about emotionalism, and everyone keeps arguing about emotionalism. Here's my concern. Here's my concern, all right? I'm going to open this up. Osbury University, right? Osbury University. If you look up on their website, osbury.edu, A-S-B-U-R-Y, osbury.edu, Osbury.edu, A-S-B-U-R-Y.edu. You look it up for yourself. Don't take my word for it. A-S-B-U-R-Y.edu. And you go to the section that says about Osbury University. You will read these words. Grounded in the Wesleyan holiness tradition. The Wesleyan holiness tradition. Now, if you look up, If you look up Wesleyan holiness tradition, you should get an idea about what that is about. Here, me just give you a little example of what the holiness movement is about. Um, The holiness movement is a Christian movement that emerged chiefly within the 19th century Methodism and to a lesser extent, other traditions such as Quakerism, Anabapticism, and Restorationism. The movement is historically distinguished by its emphasis on the doctrine of a second work of grace generally called entire sanctification or Christian perfection, and by the belief that the Christian life should be free of sin. Now, the Wesleyan holiness movement, I 100% reject. I think it's heretical, and I think it's false doctrine. So you can say, this is not emotionalism. This is, this is something real. This is something powerful. And people have all these testimonies. Uh, and, and that's fine. Everybody can have all the testimonies. But if this doctrine is in any way involved in the Osbury revival, then I'm sorry, I reject it. And I don't care how many tearful testimonies there may be. I don't care how, ama- how many amazing stories will come forth from it. I'm going to stand and go, I'm sorry. Because we judge things theologically, not on the basis of emotions or feelings or stories, or not even on miracles or signs and wonders. We base things on its consistency with the word of God. And I reject this second work of grace, this Christian perfectionism. I, I reject this, this, this entire sanctification concept. I reject it outright. 
That's the part I've wanted people to comment on. But what I keep getting is either all the all the emails are either pro, pro, pro. This is amazing. This is amazing. This is amazing. This is the work of God. This is the work of God. This is the work of God. Or, the, oh, I agree with you. It's wrong. It's emotionalism. It's emotionalism. I'm like, no, 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 no. What I want everyone to comment on is the presence of the Wesleyan holiness tradition within the the revival. I keep getting reports that Bible studies are taking place. Well, wonderful. Bible studies can take place anywhere. doesn't mean any Bible studies can happen in Bethel Church. Bible studies can happen in Hillsong. Bible studies could take place at Brownsville Revival or Lakeland Revival or in the Vineyard Movement. Doesn't mean that what's being taught or studied is anywhere close to theologically sound or biblical. I think that's, I think that's a fair criticism. Now, I don't know what's happening. Those Bible studies may be the most sound, biblical pursuit of the word of God. It is sound. It is doctrinal. It is theological. And this may be the greatest move that we've seen in who knows how long. And I, and I pray that that's, I hope it turns out to be something amazing and great and wonderful. I do. And I hope lives are positively changed and it leads to a pursuit of God's word. I, 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 I strongly hope for all of that to be true. But when I, when I, when I immediately go, wait, Osbury University, Wesleyan holiness tradition, I, I can only speak for me. I'm like, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got problems. I got, I got concerns here. And remember, in the, in the initial news report, what we heard, that this girl, she was getting ready to leave to go to class, and all of a sudden, supposedly, the Holy Spirit spoke to her and told her to go back in. I mean, immediately now we've got extra biblical revelation going on, God talking outside of scripture. We've got the Wesley and holiness. See, I've already got issues with some of it. Now, I'm not saying that those are the leaders of the revival saying that because I don't know, because I haven't been sitting there watching the, the, the live feed hour after hour after hour. Now, there's a part of me that just kind of wants to turn on the live feed and then turn on the microphone and just try to like, I wish, I wish there was a way. Well, we got see the problem is so much of it is music and singing that like if I could play the live feed and just do live commentary on it, it would be somewhat problematic because all the music and then you got copyright and you got all kinds of issues going on there. So um, and not only that, I mean, what do you do? Well, they've been singing for 45 minutes. They've been singing for an hour. They've been repeating the same lot, whatever the case may be. And then, of course, that is going to raise to charges of emotionalism, which I think is fair. Then okay, so it's it's either it seems right now that either it's complete acceptance and rejoicing over it, or complete criticism over it, and I think there needs to be a middle balance. And I and I think that the first thing that should be raised is Wesleyan holiness tradition. Hmm. Either you accept that as being doctrinally true, or you reject it as being doctrinally false. There is no middle ground with that doctrine. Now, you may say, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I think it matters when you're telling young people, hey, you get the second blessing. You can basically be sinless. Yeah, I think that's a serious, that can have serious implications on a person's spiritual life. Now, I don't know if that's going to be pushed. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe all the people there already believe. I don't know. There's so many unknowns. But I think being, being willing to be a little cautious is okay. And I, but I, at the same time, I think we can be, try to be, Look, we can be cautious. We can point out issues. At the same time, be hopeful that even if we, even if I come to the conclusion I disagree, 
I want to be hopeful. Look, I want to be hopeful. I don't care if it's Lakeland, Brownsville revival, go through any of the big charismatic revivals. As much as I loathe charismatic theology with every ounce of my being, I cannot stand that theological system. Guess what? Guess what? This is very important. You know what? I hope in every one of those revivals that people are revived, salvations occur, and people turn to the word of God and they grow and they and they 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 move forward in their Christian life. I it look just because I may disagree with everything about it, I still want good to come from it, right? I still want people I still want salvation to occur. I still want people to be excited about the word of God and know what? Maybe that excitement and hunger for the word of God will lead them to seek it and study it and desire it. And they will grow theologically and move away maybe some from, from some of the false doctrines that are being taught and maybe the revival that they were a part of. So I, so you can, it's like, it's, it's almost like if you criticize it, then you're just immediately bad. And, it, and so I, I don't know. Can you not be layered and nuanced in this? Man, for every young person right now who's at that revival, Maybe they're kneeling down on the floor. Maybe they're laying down on the floor. Maybe they're sleeping inside the room. Maybe they're up against the wall. Maybe they're doing Bible study, confessing their sins, raising their hands, praising God. For every positive thing that comes from it, all I can do is be grateful for it. All you can do is be, hopefully, this, this leads to very positive things. But at the same time, I can say, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait, the Holy Spirit talked to you? Okay, wait, okay. How many people are in there claiming God is talking to them, right? How many people are are holding to some kind of Wesleyan holiness tradition and putting that forth? What is happening in those Bible studies that are supposedly breaking out all over the place? I, that's what I, I want the audio of one of those Bible studies. How is the scripture being exegeted? How is it being expounded? What is happening? So I, 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 think, it, I, I, don't, I think it's extremely unfair to criticize those criticizing, but I think it's I think it's extremely unfair to just criticize and not hope for the best and want this to work out. At the same time, I think it's absolutely wrong to just accept it and say this is wonderful because look at look at these testimonies that people are giving. Look, there there, there were positive testimonies that came, that's come out of every revival with all kinds of claims. Many of those claims sometimes later are found not to be as accurate as one put forth. Right? I mean, you know, Lakeland were claiming people were being raised from the dead. There was crazy things being said. And, well, it it all imploded upon itself. So we will see how this plays itself out. But tonight, we have the sermon. Now, again... How much did the sermon lead to the revival? The way I keep getting different reports, but it's at at least to the report that's published today, the sermon happened. Someone confessed their sin. Around 30 people stayed, but it looks like that the praise band kept playing, that the the praise band, the worship team kept playing. And so I I, I don't know if there's there's a definitive way to say what sparked it, what led it. And again, I'm looking for a human explanation. Was it the band playing? Was it the young person confessing their sin? Was it was what preached in the sermon? Or we'll put forth the idea, was it a sovereign work of God that just decided to move at a specific time? 
Like well, there's a lot of things we could, we could come into play here, but we're going to, I don't know. We're not going to get far tonight because I know it's already late. And again, I do, I'm very, very aware of it's Valentine's night and you know, I probably have zero people listening. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm aware of that, but uh, here we go. So if you're around, grab a Bible. Maybe we'll need a Bible, hopefully. A pencil. I got a pencil right here. Got a pencil. And um, where is my journal? Hang on. My, uh. Okay. Uh, someone just said, it is, it is not odd, though, that this venue is the center of this event. An old, outdated venue with no special lighting or smoke, etc. Oh, you know what? It is true. It is true. The venue seems kind of odd, right? It doesn't have the trappings that, you know, mood lighting, stage lighting, smoke, you know, it, it doesn't seem to have some of those trappings. So I, I, I think, I think, I, I do think that that's interesting. I do think it's interesting um, that that's, that, that is, I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting things happening there, to be fair. I, I do think there's a lot of interesting things. But I, so on one hand, like there's a part of me that wants to just keep up with this around the clock. There's a part of me that says, you know, stay right here. Just stay with this story. Follow it, follow it, follow it, follow it, follow it. Follow. I really kind of to do that, like either I have to ignore everything else or just then just go 24-7 coverage on the Osbury, Osbury revival. So, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I've uh, made a mistake. Maybe I was so skeptical. Maybe I was so cynical that I'm like, okay, whatever, it, this is going to, I mean, I still, I still talked about it, but maybe I should have been a little quicker and like, hey guys, we need to pay attention to this. But there's been times, I can't remember when it was, I think it was two or three years ago that I, there were some reports that a revival was breaking out somewhere. And I think I either got ready to do a broadcast about it or something. And I think before I even knew it, it was like, what happened? Like it was gone. Like Nobody was talking about it. I'm like, Oh man. So, so, you know, you don't want to be like, Hey guys, I think revival's breaking out. And then, you know, well, okay. Remember that broadcast I did 10 hours ago? Just forget it. It, there was no revival. So you have to kind of wait a little bit, but we will see. We will see. We will see. Um, but if anybody is out there watching the live stream, keeping up with it, Hey, please keep me informed. Please let me know, right? I mean, I do. I mean, if I had a team of people, I'd be like, just watch that and report back to me. And then we'll do, there's there's all these reports showing up on, you know, Christian social media about people who supposedly have been there. And they're, I'm glad, anyone who can go, go, go there. Let me know what you're thinking. But just try to, try to look at it from, there's the emotional experiential part. And then there's the, practical what is actually taking place it is true that this is not the first someone just pointed out that it's the first time it's not the first time that this has happened 1970 was the last uh, major one that is true so there's a lot of interesting things going on here i mean there's and i think we need to take note of all of those but if anyone goes like i said try to distinguish between what you were experiencing Versus practically, what is practically happening? Is it like eight hours music? Is there preaching? Is it Bible studies happening? Like how are they stop playing music and everyone breaks off into just individual Bible studies? Who's leading the Bible studies? What do the Bible studies consist of? 
Like, what is happening in the, what's being said in the, join, if you're there, join into, in one of the Bible studies. <laughs> join, I want to know, report back to me. Well, this is the text. This is how the text was handled. This was what was said. I want to, I mean, that is, that's the kind of stuff we need. That's the kind of stuff we need. But a lot of people, all I keep getting reports are more of the experience, the feeling, but I'm not getting anything like objectively, like this is what was taught. This was what was preached. This was what was said. It's it's more about like the, that like there's, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to accuse it of emotionalism, but it's almost this experiential kind of thing. Not in very subjective, not objective. Objective is this was the text. This was what was said. This is how the text was handled. This is how it was exegeted. This is right or wrong. And, and people will say, well, that's the problem. You want, you want, you want cold, dead orthodoxy and we want a living experience with God. Well, a living experience with God that gets mixed in with Fraudulent, heretical teaching just becomes experiential heresy. So if cold, dead orthodoxy is bad, experiential heresy is bad. So, all right, but here we go. Let's review this, and uh, hopefully this will be beneficial. Hopefully, I'm, I'm sorry if I hit the microphone right there. I was moving it over a little bit. The, my microphone arm will move. So sometimes when some uh, I, I sit kind of far away from the computer screen. So sometimes when someone posts a comment, I move the microphone over so I can look right at the screen yet still talking to the microphone. And then I'll move it back. And then next thing you know, I just start moving it all around because it's kind of cool to hold the microphone. Like I'm, okay, no, I'm just joking. All right, all right, here we go. You ready? Here we go on this, fr- on this Friday. Why do I think it's Friday? I don't know. This Tuesday, February the 14th, 2023, Valentine's Day. We're going to go back. I believe this was February. Was it the 8th? I think it was February the 8th. This is the sermon that comes right before the revival. And now we have a report now that it started with a young, a student confessing their sin. That's pretty awesome, right? I mean, I think that, I mean, that, that's awesome, I do, I do believe. And I don't, how it all transpired from there, it'll be interesting when all the stories are told, if we can pin down exactly the chain of events and how this all takes place. But let's go to the sermon. Here we go. You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, y'all. My name's Zach, and I'm back. Hey, neat. My fear anytime I'm led in worship by a crew like that, that all of a sudden the sound booth is going to be like, I'm going to get this dude and unmute my mic. And it'll sound like stepping on a dog. Like, you know, like, so I'm glad you didn't do that. Thanks for that. <clears throat> um, we're going to continue in in Romans 12. That's the star, okay? God's word and Jesus and the Holy Spirit moving in our midst. That's what we're hoping. Uh, like I said last week, and I'll continue to say anytime I get to stand with you guys, uh, I hope you guys forget me, but... Anything from the Holy Spirit and God's word would find fertile ground in your hearts and produce fruit. Okay, now, I'm going to get skeptical. I'm going to get cynical. 
Sometimes when you trace back a supposed outbreak of the Holy Spirit, some kind of revival, a lot of times what you will find is that there's already been, and I hate to use this word, I know it's going to sound negative, almost a preconditioning that, hey, we're seeking the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. We're looking for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. And there's already been discussion about it. Like it's already kind of, you're planting the seed that, we, that we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. We're waiting for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. And you're already kind of already priming the pump to say, to get it started. Now, that when I've, I've listened to things and lots of discussions about Vineyard and some of the major charismatic outbreakings, and a lot of time when you, when you go back in history, they'll say it wasn't as spontaneous as it appeared. They were, going back months, they were priming the pump. They were, were kind of getting everyone set up to, to either demonstrate these signs and wonders like falling over. Like it was already being placed in their minds. It was already being placed there. Now, I'm not saying that that was straightforward, but he just mentioned that about, about the moving, you know, the Holy Spirit moving in our midst, the Holy Spirit moving in our midst. So I'm going to back this up. He makes a couple of little jokes trying to break the ice. It's chapel. It's college students. He's trying to break the ice, trying to just get everyone comfortable. Typical, you know, strategy when doing public speaking. All right. So here we go. Listen, listen for it. I know it. I'm not saying that this is, I'm not trying to be completely definitive. I'm just saying that I, I'm just listening and here's some things that I hear. So here we go. It's in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, y'all. My name's Zach, and I'm back. Hey, neat. My fear anytime I'm led in worship by a crew like that, that all of a sudden the sound booth is going to be like, I'm going to get this dude and unmute my mic. And then it'll sound like stepping on a dog. Like, <laughs> you know, like so I'm glad you didn't do that. Thanks for that. <clears throat> um, we're going to continue in in Romans 12. That's the star, okay? God's word and Jesus and the Holy Spirit moving in our midst. That's what we're hoping uh, like I said last week, and I'll continue to say anytime I get to stand with you guys, uh, I hope you guys forget me, but anything from the Holy Spirit and God's Word would find fertile ground in your hearts and produce fruit, okay? So, last time, did I forget my clicker? Nope, it's right here, y'all. Big green sign. Awesome. Last time we talked, becoming love in action. You guys are in a series of becoming love in action. And we're in Romans 12, 13, and 14. Awesome. I know how to count. And Romans 12, 1 through 8, we talked about, or uh, yeah, 1 through 8, we've talked about. Uh, Dr. Baldwin talked about verses 1 and 2, about an act of worship, being conformed by God, not of this world. I came, and last Wednesday, we talked about verses 3 through 8, and we talked about the cost of pride, comparison, and competition. And then we invited ourselves to, to practice and lean into gratitude, understanding all we have is gifts, and asking the question, who are we looking at? Are we gazing upon Jesus, or are we gazing to the left and to the right? So we continue to have this conversation about 
love and becoming love and what is love. So I'm going to ask you a really conceited, maybe awkward question, okay? All right, now, first thing, they're working through Romans, at least chapter 12. I don't know if they've been working through the book. Seems like they're trying to go exegetically, expositionally. That's all awesome, wonderful, great. Nothing, nothing but positives there. I'm not going to, you know, I don't know what they said about some of those things. But, okay, he's going to talk about love. So, hey, this is perfect for February the 14th, right? All right, so this is perfect. Let's see what he's going to say. I guess I think he's getting ready to ask them something. Maybe he's going to ask them how they define love or I don't know. But he's going to ask a question, a little audience participation, all right? He's trying to ensure that the college students are paying attention, right? Good good thing to do publicly speaking, public speaking in this kind of setting, trying to get young people there, you know, um, some some schools chapel attendance is mandatory. So you saw a lot of times you have people there who don't want to be there. Sometimes they may want to be there, but I mean they got school, they got other things. Their mind can be a million places. So trying to keep them involved, engaged, all good. All right, let's listen. Do you love me? This might be awkward. Look at the person next to you and ask them that question. All right, all right, all right, all right. Look to the other person and ask, do you love me? All right, cool, 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 cool. All right, hey, just a, this is a sneak peek. If that's the first time you've ever talked to your neighbor, fix that. You laugh, but for real. But the question is, is do you love me? I know Nick loves me because we're buddies. And I buy him wings sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully, he said hopefully. <laughs> but do you love me? We talk about love all the time. Now, I think that's a powerful question. And it is probably awkward. Hey, if you look at someone, do you love me? Like as a Christian, I'm supposed to say, yeah, I love you. But then are, should you say that to someone? Do, can you say that as a Christian to someone else? I love you. And it'd be like, there, there, there's lots of implications that can come with that, right? Uh, Okay, yes. Uh, now, someone just says, I hate when preachers ask us to say something to our neighbor. Yes, I, I completely agree. I loathe that with every every ounce of my being. I, I never do that. I don't do that. Um, I, I ask questions, but I don't say, say, look to your neighbor and say, you know, God is good all the time and all the time, or whatever you're supposed to say. I see churches that do that. That drives me crazy, too. But it is an awkward question to look at someone and say, I love you. Right, I love you. I think I think there's lots of implications and there's lots of issues with that. Right? Can can you do that? Right? If I if I if I walked into church, right? You're there with your wife, and I walk up to your wife and, and say and look at her and say, "I love you." Well, would you be cool with that? Would you be like, "Oh, he means that in a Christian way," right? Like like so, I mean, it raises questions, right? There, there's issues there, right? I think I think we can all agree. I think we can all agree, but at the same time, we are called to love each other, right? We are called to do that, but exactly, exactly what does that you know look like? How, how does that all play out? So it's an interesting question. I, I, I think that it raises, it could, it could be a, a good discussion to have. We won't have it now, but all right, cool. Got all, he's got all, you see, you can hear all the students out there. I don't know if you can hear them. The volume kind of fluctuates a lot on this, but I've got it cranked to a hundred. So I'm doing what I can, but um, he's gotting them engaging, keeping them, you know, 
active, right? All these are all just good public speaking techniques. Right? Daniel Fusco, a pastor in the Pacific Northwest, he says the, the problem with the word love is that everyone says it or does it, but without Christ abiding in his spirit, receiving and giving, it's actually not love. It's wrong. Okay, this seems to imply that if you don't have Christ, you can't love someone. Which would seem to imply that if I have Christ, then I can truly love someone. But are Christians more capable of love than a non-Christian? I mean, this, this, this gets to some theological questions. Now, if you go with the Wesleyan holiness idea, well, clearly, if you get the second, second blessing and entire sanctification, well, clearly you can love better than anybody else because you're now entirely sanctified. So again, I don't, I'm not saying that they're coming from that perspective, but I have to at least listen for it. These are some things I love. Corto Lima. Anyone been to Corto Lima downtown? Tremendous. Downtown Lexington. I live in Lexington. Downtown Lexington. Best tacos. They have this thing called Papa's in La Lata. French fries, cheese, jalapenos. You can get smoked pork on it. You start speaking in tongues, it's so good. <laughs> or just because the spirit falls, but that's cool. Manchester Coffee Co. Anyone? Ever at Manchester? Yeah. Now, the speaking in tongues comment. You can start, it's so good you can speak in tongues or, or the spirit falls. So do they believe in the gifts, like speaking in tongues? Is this charismatic? Is this charismatic? Say, I want to know the theology of this. Everybody's looking at emotionalism and I could, I, I don't want to talk about emotionalism. What is the theology of the people speaking? That seems to indicate at least the possibility they believe in speaking in tongues. Because, I mean, because he would have either said it in a joking way, like, it's so good you can speak in tongues, everyone laughs, he wouldn't have then immediately followed up, or the spirit falls. Now, now, now he's seeming to imply that that, that, is a poss- that speaking in tongues is a, is a gift of the spirit. So is this a charismatic situation? Well, if it's charismatic, you, you I, look, I don't care. I don't care how many positive reports you give me. If it, it's charismatic theology is mixed in with it, then I'm sorry, I'm opposed. They're not paying me for this, but they could if they wanted. I love dry cappuccinos. They make a good dry cappuccino. Or Sorella's gelato. You have to be careful in Lexington. Sorella's gelato, owned by these two twins from the Czech Republic. Uh, They are remarkable. They give me and my daughter free gelato all the time. I love gelato. I love coffee. I love tacos and Papa's Linlata. But is that different than how I love these people? These are my girls. Okay, I just got a report. Someone says they have not heard any speaking in tongues in the videos I've seen so far. That's a positive sign. That's a positive. That's good, at least from my perspective, because, yeah. Now, if, now if, you, if, you, if they mean speaking in tongues, a supernatural ability to speak a known language, then I'm all, then I'm all down with that, okay? Hey, all of a sudden I can speak Russian. All right, great. But yeah, you, you, you get the idea. All right. Right? Do I love tacos like I love Mercy, that, that mighty baby in the middle? 
Do I love dry cappuccinos like my beautiful wife, KP? Do I, do I enjoy and delight in gelato like I do my daughter, Esther, who's in heaven? Or do I love speaking in chapel like I actually really, really love Eden May in the top right corner? I got home late last night. I was preaching in Columbus, Ohio, and I just climbed right into bed with uh, Eden because I love her. So do you, are you guys tracking? We, we say love about a lot, right? You guys might love like the hot chicken sandwich day in the calf. Like that's not the same. It's not the same. So as we go into Romans 12, verses 9 through 21, we're going to talk about love. Okay? So we did this before. You stood for the scripture reading. We're going to stand again. And then at the end, I'm going to say, this is the word of God, and we believe it. And you will say, I'll say, this is the word of God, and then you say, and we believe it, if you do believe it. If you don't believe it, be uh, honest. But I'm glad you're here. Let love be without hypocrisy. We could just stop there, right? Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in the spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, what do you do? Feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God, and we believe it. Awesome, you can sit. 13 verses, 30 commandments. 30 commandments. This is, now if we use our proper distinction of law and gospel, law, 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 law. And we're defining law as God telling us to do something, telling us to do something, telling us to do something. And immediately, if you look at these 30 commandments, you should be overcome. Now, he counted 30. I would have to go count to and verify that. But 30, a lot, a lot of commandments that we immediately realize that these commandments, this is what it will do. It will expose our failure because we will never obey the commandments perfectly. It will show us our need for Jesus, and it will demonstrate and point us to our only hope is that Jesus kept these commandments because we don't. And if you think you keep these commandments, you're out of your mind because you know you don't. We fall short of them in thought, word, and deed, either internally or externally. All right, so let's continue. How are you guys feeling? How you guys feeling? Yeah, you're like, you're like, I got all those down. I have always loved by choosing the other person's preference before myself. I've never been a hypocrite. How you guys feeling? 
Dude, this morning, I had preference over my wife. Like, I wanted to sleep in a little bit more, but she had been up with the baby. Like, this morning, what about you? 13 verses, 30 commands. This is just some of them. Even if we didn't read those, if you're sitting in this chapel and you're like, oh, awesome. What are you, like, what emotion are you feeling right now? Yell it out. Anxiety. Joy. That's cool. No, that's all, that is cool. What? Exhausted. Because it looks kind of like a to-do. I love I love that because sometimes when you're a preacher and you get, okay, everyone yell out and you're like, and someone says, joy. What? What? You just got 30 commandments and you, you, you feel joy? Like sometimes you're like, you're messing up my illustration because what he's wanting people to say is, I feel convicted. I feel condemned. I feel overwhelmed. I know that I can't do this. I feel inadequate. I like, I feel weakness. I feel embarrassment. I feel, I feel humiliated. And someone's like, joy. (laughs) I I think I would have stopped right there and was like, tell me about said joy. Tell me why you feel joy. Now, if they say I feel joy because I know I can't do this, but Christ did it for me, then I would have given that person an A for chapel and said, this is the Val Victorian of chapel and then send them on their way and say, you never need to return. You go, I can teach you no more. Go forth and teach others. Like I, that, that I would have been amazed by the answer. Okay. But all right. I just, I just, sometimes when I ask questions, I'm like, okay, what is happening right now? Why are people giving me these answers? This has literally nothing to do with my question, right? So, all right, here we go. List. I would be overwhelmed. I maybe would feel even guilt or shame because I don't do this stuff. Well, I know the heart of God is not one that would heap guilt and shame on us, right? Okay, that's awesome. I like the fact that he's straight up acknowledging, I don't do this stuff. But now I'm getting a little nervous. God's not going to heap guilt and shame upon us. No, wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. Doesn't the law heap guilt and shame upon us? That's the whole point, to crush us. So us to feel the full weight, boom, the full bitterness of it, boom, so that we're ready for the sweetness of the gospel. So I'm already getting a little nervous. Well, well God doesn't want to heap guilt and shame upon us. He doesn't. Do this, 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 do this. Don't do this, don't do this. I think the Bible is filled with things that heap guilt and shame upon us. That's why we have to run to a solution, which is a righteousness outside of our own. <laughs> so I'm getting a little nervous here, right? Here we go. That I know that the word of God corrects and and, and uh, coaches us, but this might feel like, I feel that way when I look at this passage. You might be like, well, I'm new to this whole thing, or I don't, I don't know Jesus, or I didn't study this passage. No, like, I have studied this passage. I have been walking with the Lord now for 16 years. Many people in this, this room has, lo- has loved and walked with the Lord longer, and they sit and say, how do I do this? You don't. Jesus did. Okay, but 
I mean, that's just the reality of it. You can say, well, we should try. We can do some of it. But everyone has to admit we don't do it perfectly. So whatever, again, this gets back to the whole power. If you believe we've got the power to do it, unless that power gets you to perfection, then you're just arguing for, I can do it some. I can do it a little better than others. But the bottom line is you better have something more than you can do some of it. You need something better. And that is Christ did this perfectly for you and me. We're not only called, like, ethereally, we're called to love those in your community. That's, that's those, you, you guys, okay? How do you guys love one another? If that was the scorecard, if that was the to-do list, and then you applied it on how you love others on campus, how do you do? Then, those who persecute your community. So the people that make fun of you, the people that think this is all a farce, that think this is a waste of time. People who comment on your posts and say, that's stupid. Like, I don't. Those who persecute, same list of how to love them. Okay. Can we stop with if someone says something negative on your social media post, that's persecution? Can we please stop with that? You're not being persecuted if on an open social media platform where it says, comment, <laughs> respond, reply. When someone uses that function to comment, reply, and they say something negative, that's not persecution, okay? That is the, the social media platform working the way it was designed. People see, people reply. Oh, it can be irritating. It can be frustrating. It can drive you crazy. It can bother you. It may create anxiety. You may like, man, I'm so tired of people not agreeing with that. I mean, because I feel that way about the YouTube comments sometime, right? But it's not persecution. For, you may They may even say they hate you, but it's not persecution, okay? I, I, I hope persecution is more. I don't think the Apostle Paul was like, man, <laughs> They've been posting a lot of mean things on my social media account. I mean, man. No, he's being beat with rods, okay? So uh, can, we, can we not associate that with persecution? Please, please, can we not associate it with persecution? Can we? Please. Be because, it, uh, yeah, I mean, then are Christians persecuting other people when we post, when we reply to other people's posts in a negative way? Are we disagree with them? Are we say they're wrong? How you doing? Oh, and then not even those who like post on your uh, post on your posts, comments on your posts, but those who are like literally anti you. I was just talking to uh, missionaries in Syria this morning, and they are loving their enemies. They just had a missionary killed. And they are going to the neighbors in the neighborhood where that missionary is killed to serve them. Enemy love. That's something that's unique about the Christian faith. We are called to love our enemies. How are we doing? And then this one. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, which is like hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. This is agape love. This is the first time in Romans that the vertical perfection of agape love, there's a Greek versions of love. There's agape, phileo, eros, which is the word erotic comes from, and storge, okay? 
This is the first time that the Apostle Paul is saying, now I'm not talking about vertical love when I talk about agape. I'm talking about how you love one another. This perfect love. God-like love. Phileo is brotherly love. That's why Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Eros, that's why we get the word erotic. And that's actually the Greek word of take. Like steal. Which is the selfishness of porn. And storge is like familial love. When you have kids, you'll have storge love. You'll have motherly, fatherly love. In some other translations, it says love must, they don't use the word hypocrisy. They use the word sincere or genuine. So, the word hypocrisy comes from this Greek root word that's a word used for actors or in theater back in the day, right? Because in theater back in the day, they didn't have like backstages. It was just big open air theater. Has anyone been to Greece or Rome? See these big amphitheaters, and they walk in, and there's nowhere like you can hide and change, right? So if someone would come on and have like three masks, because they were going to thr- like put one mask on, put the next, ma- next max- mask on, and another one, because they were playing three characters. Does that make sense? That's what the word hypocrisy comes from. It's like, it's polluted. It's, it's not all of the same. Multiple masks. Has anyone experienced that? I have. If we're a community, let's, let's engage. Have you guys experienced that? I have been a hypocrite. Multiple times. It's polluted love. It's selfish love. And some of you guys have experienced radically poor love. Like evil love. Selfish love. And I would say today... We should not even give it the honor of calling it love. Some of you have experienced things that should not have even been titled love. Some of you guys know my story. In my childhood, I experienced what my uh, perpetrator, my, the person who, who abused me, called love. It's not love. 100% selfish, 100% violent. Some of you guys have experienced that. Some of you guys have experienced that love, that kind of love in the church. Some of you guys, maybe it's not violent, it's not molestation, it's not taken advantage of, but, but it feels like someone has just pulled a fast one on you. Like, you're safe here. No, yeah, you're welcome here. Ooh. Has anyone felt that? This is not love. Not love. I have nothing until this afternoon. I have coffee with a dude. I am happy to sit here and pray with people. If you have experienced that kind of love, There is leaders on campus that will stay in these seats and pray for you. If you need to hear the voice of God, the Father in heaven, who will never love you that way, that is perfect in love, gentle and kind, you come up here and you experience his love. Don't waste this opportunity. I'm going to pray real quick. There's a screw on the... Look at that. Shame the devil. He's not going to get me with that. All right, let's pray. (laughs) 
Jesus, what if that put a, just, just a hole in my pants? And you just. What? What is happening? That just got weird. Like, what, what, what's going on there? I don't know. Some, I, I'd, I'd have to see the video of exactly what's going on. Okay, so now he's going to pray. All right, okay. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how this sermon worked. Okay, let, I, I, that can't be the end of the sermon. Uh, let, let's see what's going on here. See my hiney. All right, Jesus. <laughs> if there's people in this room that literally feel the weight of that perverted thing that one person called love, would you just alleviate that weight right now? Would you just alleviate the Holy Spirit, move through these rows. Move through these rows and love on these people. Jesus, if there's people who have experienced hypocritical love in the church, Holy Spirit, move through these rows and alleviate that. Heal them, Jesus. Show them your true self. Would they be bold and courageous to ask for further healing and further uh, prayer in Jesus' name? Amen. So it's not hypocritical love. It's not hypocritical love. It's not polluted. Here's another one. Devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in Okay, that, I was like, what's happening? Okay, so he's praying that. Okay, now he's going to go on. He's going to go on. He's only got like 10 minutes left, okay? So, I mean, and I doubt there's a whole 10 minutes left. I don't know what's going on here because it's just, I guess what he's just going to do is give you law, 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 law. I don't know what the answer is in any of this. It's just going to be like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're not doing it. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You're not doing it. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You're not doing it. I, I, I'm assuming he's going to point them to the finished work of Christ. Honor. Who here loves giving preference to one another? Yeah, it's not, it's not our flesh. Like, we feel that. We feel the, the tension of that. Some of you guys are sitting here like, you were funny last Wednesday. Chill out. This is the word of God. Some of us need to know that we're giving preference. To, we need to give preference to one another. Following Christ's example, Philippians 2, 3 through 4, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important to yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. It's humbling. It's inconvenient. It's sacrificial love. In verses 11 through 13, there's this word that I want to highlight. It says, serving the Lord. Does anyone love the word servant? Does everyone love being called servant? I remember in college, I was a D1 athlete and at the last second transitioned to playing at a Bible college a lot like this one. And I was so arrogant and so rude. I am literally the only person of all time to be cut from Indiana Wesleyan soccer team. Me. This was me and Kristen. Look at that. But I didn't have a way to get home. So I became a laundry person. Some of you guys do laundry. I remember I spent nine hours cleaning the team's shorts. I was a D1 athlete, thought I was going to be playing soccer. Now I'm cleaning their shorts. And people are saying, you're such a servant, Zach. And I'm like, let me at you. I want to punch you in the mouth. 
but by being transformed by Jesus, getting his affections, we would see ourselves as servants. It's a call in our lives. 14 through 17, just another one I want to talk about. Rejoicing with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Christian communities aren't great at this. Rejoicing with those rejoice feels like, well, like you can't be prideful. What about celebrating one another? Celebrating people that are substantially better than you. Athletes, are you a good celebrator of the people on your team that play more than you? Teammates, band members, are you toppling over one another in celebration for one another's gifts? What about weeping with those who weep? Or do you say, you text, like, praying for you? Do you journey with them? Do you tarry with them? And at the very end, right, verses 18 through 21, it starts talking about never do revenge on someone. And God says, that's on me, right? It says, feed those hungry enemies, uh, give water to those thirsty enemies. So last question, again, as we close, do you love me? You guys are like, whoa, that is a different chapel than Wednesday. The pressure's off. You can't love the way that this verse speaks. Do you know that? Okay, now that's awesome. Okay, wow. You can't love this way. Okay, now what's going to be the solution? Christ did it for you and his righteousness is imputed to you or Christ will give you the power so that you actually can do it. Is it like you can't in yourself, but you can when he gives you the power, meaning you can actually do it, meaning that you can obey all 30 commands, which is where Christianity almost always takes it, even though 2000 years of church history demonstrating that we never do. Do you know that? If it was knowing everything about love, the Sadducees knew everything about love. And it wasn't good enough for Jesus. Okay, okay, I gotta do more. I gotta do more. Some of you guys are like, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna do more. I'm gonna serve the poor. I gotta get to Syria or Turkey. I gotta at least collect water to get there. The Pharisees did that and it wasn't enough. So what is it? You cannot love until you are loved by Jesus. Oh, my goodness gracious. So the answer is you can't love until you're loved by Jesus. And once you're loved by Jesus, then you can obey the 30 commandments. This is literally just ignoring anything about the imputed righteousness or obedience of Christ. The only way we can love, 1 John 4, 7 through 20 says, we love because he first loved us. And I want to get an attitude. I want to have like Jehovah sassy on my side and say, stop striving. Stop wearing this heavy burden of I got to love because I'm a Christian. No, you got to love because you've tasted and seen the goodness of God. Amen. You have been loved. 
You have to continue to put yourself before Jesus and be loved by him so you can love others. I can't get rid of preference without the love of Jesus making me want to give up preference. I can't forgive my enemies. I can't forgive my dad who abused me except if I'm loved by Jesus. I can't forgive those churches that did me wrong until I am experiencing the love of Jesus so I can love Jesus. You're not going to be a loving nurse, teacher, pastor, preacher, parent, lover in the way that you want to until you experience the love of God. We love because he first loved us. We love because he... And please note, you got the emotional music in the background. I'm not, look, I am not for, I am not going to let that go. You've got this emotional music going to it. And I guarantee you a, a message like this about you, you, we don't love people the right way. We don't love people the right way. That's going to convict anyone who's even halfway sensitive to sin because we're all going to know we don't do it. But the answer is Jesus did it for us. No, the answer is if you, if you'll be loved by him, then you can do all of this. So what we got to do is we need to somehow experience his love for me. And then I'm going to start loving everyone the way I'm supposed to, but we will never love people the way we're supposed to because we maintain a sinful nature inside of us, which will always love self over everyone else. And even when we do love people, it will be tainted with our own sin nature. So he's not, he's not pointing them to a solution. He's pointing them to supposedly an ability that you can, you can obtain if you will be loved by Jesus. He first loved us. So we must become the love, love in action. I'm running out of time. But what is the source of your love? Take a picture of this. If your source of love is white knuckling it, trying really hard, or is it the love of God for you? What is the purpose? Now, I do agree that the love of God should motivate. The love of God should lead to wanting to love others the way we have been loved. I do agree that there is a, that there is, it's an influential thing, but I don't just magically get some power. Oh, Jesus loves me. So now I can obey 30 commandments about love in these verses in Romans chapter 12. Jesus loves me. So I can now love the God, love the Lord, that God with all my heart, mind, body, and soul and love my neighbor as myself. No, we are never going to do those perfectly. That's why you need Christ and an imputed righteousness purpose of your love? Is it to look good at chapel? Is it to look good to your family? Is it to get love in return from the person that you're giving love to? That's not this love we're talking about. And who or what are you becoming through this expression of love? If you're loving someone and not becoming more like Jesus in that love, then I would go search what that love really is. You following? So some of us, some of us need to sit in the love of God. Some of us need to taste and see and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you want to become love, if you really want to become love in action, you start by prostrating yourself before the love of God. If you want to become love in action, then you have to experience the love of God. 
All right. So if you want to love right, you got to experience something. So there's an ex- so there's an experiential element right here, right at the start. You got the emotional music playing, and now you got this experience. You've got to prostrate yourself before the love of God, experience God's love, some kind of feeling. You get the feeling. Boom. Dun dun da da. Now you can go love everyone and obey thirty commandments and those verses in Romans chapter twelve. Are you convinced we can't do those thirty commands? You can't, you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't blow people's hair back by your love and your leadership. You have to experience the love of Christ in your life. Seniors, I'm listening to you. I'm talking to you right now. Do not graduate here and think you're going to do all this stuff in your own strength. Do not leave here. You got three months left. Do not leave here before you... Learn about the love of God. Experience the love of God so you can pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. And he will fill you back up. Asbury, the world needs this kind of love. Needs it. Syria and Turkey need this kind of love. Your mom and dad need this kind of love. The teammates on your team, the people on your floor. Wilmore, Kentucky. Lexington, Kentucky. The United States needs this kind of love. They need a bunch of Christians experience the love of God so they can pour out the love of God, not through their own efforts and not through their own knowledge, but because they are filled with his love. Amen? You can can tell I take this serious? I pray that this sits on you guys like an itchy sweater. You got to itch. You got to take care of it. So experience his love. Become the love of God by experiencing the love of God. Amen? Amen. So Jesus, I pray as we continue to worship, I pray that people would would forget any of the intensity and passion of, of Zach. It would fall to the ground like dust. But Holy Spirit, if you spoke to anyone as they can pursue freedom, they can experience more of your love to be poured out, to love others, to become love in action. Would you produce fruit in this room, in these souls, these minds, and these hearts? We pray specifically for the seniors that as they prepare to go, that they would be filled with the love of God so they can pour out the love of God. Jesus, do a new thing in our midst. Revive us by your love. And we all said, amen. And there you have it. That's the sermon that preceded, that came before the beginning of the Osbury revival that is supposedly occurring. And I guess somewhere a student confessed, I guess there's not video of it or audio of it. I guess a, a student confessed sin. Then like 30 people stayed behind. They kept playing music and they kept playing music. And, and then people started returning and they kept playing music and kept playing music. And then now the revival has been going on for a hundred plus hours. Um, that's the sermon that led up to it. Now, just from a purely hermeneutical standpoint, his solution is you've got 30 commandments. You can't do it. Here's what you need to do. You need to prostrate yourself and experience God's love. Once you experience God's love, then you can. He didn't say, no, you can't. This condemns you. Christ did it for you. Your hope is in his imputed righteousness and his work accredited to your account. And that should motivate us to pursue trying to do these things as imperfectly as we will. But that's two completely different approaches. 
Now, it's interesting. I, I will acknowledge the Wesleyan sanctification, uh, um, you know, complete entire sanctification concept didn't really show up in that preaching. I didn't really hear it, right? Hey, if you'll, if you'll, exp- now, unless they're going to connect that experiencing the love of God is what leads to the entire sanctification so that you can do it. But I didn't really hear something that would make me go, oh, there's the entire sanctification, Wesleyan holiness idea. But it is like, no, the solution is experience, then you can do it. And well, you can draw your own conclusions from there. All right, that's the sermon that led to the Osbury, Osbury revival that is supposedly currently happening at Osbury University in Kentucky. Everyone's talking about it. I thought we would just review the sermon so that you've heard it for yourself. You can share your thoughts about all of this. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Thank you for joining me on this Valentine's evening, late night. I mean, isn't this the perfect message for Valentine's? I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, hope, hopefully, if you, uh, if you didn't have much going on, hopefully this was beneficial and helpful for you. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.